0: Welcome back to Inside Marketing Design everyone, and if you're new around here, I'm Charlie. I'm the Creative Director at ConvertKit, and this is a show where I speak to people on brand and marketing design teams in tech. To learn about their work. Today on the show, I'm speaking with Stuart Scott Curran, who is the Senior Director of Brand at Loom. Now, Loom is a video messaging tool for work, and it's one I use myself to make quick screen recordings to share feedback or to talk through a design so my teammates can watch it and respond asynchronously to give me feedback. As a company, Loom is around 160 people now on the team, but Stuart joined at the end of 2019 when the team was just 45 people. So it's grown a lot since then, and he's built out the brand team and shares lots of great insights in this episode about how he structured the team, the rebrand that they did internally last year. That was a very big project and lots of other super interesting things. Before we get into it though, you know I have to give a big shout out to our season two sponsor, Webflow. Webflow is a no-code website building tool that I use personally for my own websites, because not only does the designer let me build out the design functionality of a website visually, but they also have hosting plans that let me ship the site and make it live super easily. And this is always why I recommend it for portfolio sites in particular, cause who wants to deal with servers and cPanel and annoying stuff like that? We just wanna make a freaking website. Check it out for yourself at insidemarketingdesign.co slash webflow. And now let's get into it and. Take Take a look inside marketing design at Loom. Welcome to the show, Stuart. Super excited to have you here. As I told you and as I recently just told the listeners in the intro, I use Loom myself and I'm excited to dig in more on the brand side because I've obviously been using the product for a while. Excited to learn about it
1: that's awesome thank you for recording with us
0: (laughs) (laughs) of course let's start with getting the lay of the land of the design team at loom so i know as the senior director of brand you lead the brand side of that design team but i'm curious to hear how that fits with product and who's on your team give Mm -hmm. us the info
1: so design wide at loom we're probably around 15 or 16 people. I think company is around, I don't know. It's hard to keep up. We're growing so fast, like probably 150, 160 right now. And yeah, that's, that's across product design, brand design, research, a couple of other functions too. So the, the majority of the, of the designers are on the product design side. I'm, I'm, uh, director of brand design, and I have a, a colleague, uh, director of product design and we run design together. So we work very closely. We have shared crits that we do a couple cool. times a week. Uh, we have like a Monday morning hangout time, which is design wide. So we're, we're very much cognizant of the fact that we really want to continue to have a really solid design culture across both product and brand, um, on the brand side. Uh, there's myself, Uh, we have two designers, Uh, we have a producer and we have a strategist slash creative
0: director. Interesting. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that brand strategist role and the the type of work they do?
1: That's an interesting role because uh, our strategist is called Brooks and this is the third company that I've worked with Brooks at. Oh wow. (laughs) Um, which is kind of interesting. And the funny thing about that strategist role is that it's been something slightly different at every company, just based on what the needs are, based on what the structure is, what the organization looks like, the stage that we're at, the type of work that we're doing. I would say for us right now, um, it's really, it it does like a, a a couple of things. Like one thing is that we all know that companies can tend to be siloed. We're all moving really quickly. Each function is focused on its own goals. It's on its own like OKRs or its own kind of strategic initiatives. And obviously there's a lot of collaboration that has to happen um, across those teams, but it's very easy for folks just to kind of slowly drift apart. And so this, the strategist really can be like the glue that that keeps a lot of these functions together In so much as marketing has an idea for a project, the strategist plays a role in helping understand what the goals of that project is, translates those to uh, some prompts, a brief for the brand team. We then start to, to work together on what that design looks like, what the copy's like. Uh, what the position and the messaging is. And the strategist then really kind of assumes a hybrid, like they do a bit of copywriting, they do a bit of creative direction, really just making sure that all of the work that we do is kind of speaking to our our like highest level objectives mm. for the brand, you know, our, our brand promise, our highest level positioning strategy, etc. So it it depends on what stage we're at in the project as to like what role that they play specifically, but that's kind of what they do for us right, right now. There's a lot of interaction with other teams um, in, in the company, just making sure that everybody's kind of pointing in the same direction.
0: I love that. And the creative producer, can I assume that someone who is like working through project management and making sure things are on track and like what people should be working on when that sort of thing?
1: Making Absolutely. Making sure all of the right people are in the room mm-hmm. at the right time things are on budget uh, things are moving along you know keeping people honest as to like what we need to be delivering at any yeah. you know potential milestone for for what that for what that project is
0: yeah it sounds really like you've got the like the, the designers and you can really focus on the work itself because you have these two people on the team who are ensuring everything is aligned At a strategy level with the rest of the company and in ensuring things are on budget on time and like planning the work of what to do when that just must be such a relief for you and the designers to know that that's taken care of
1: that's the hope i think like the reality is that there's also a lot of just overlap in terms of Mm -hmm. what we do like we we do do a lot of collaborative work we will do a lot of what we would call jam sessions which is just getting everybody in the team in the room maybe for a whole day and we'll have various prompts that we'll kind of work on together and and we'll generally like uncover potential solutions together, like each person kind of bring in their own perspective and and area of expertise. So we we try and keep it as as overlapped and collaborative as, as, as possible, but it's definitely helpful to just know that there's somebody on top of the timeline, the budget, there's somebody making sure that we're not going to, if there's, you know, a piece of copywriting that doesn't quite fit, we know that they're going to catch that and and, and flag that and, and, you know, uh, potentially offer some, some different solutions.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I love that you have those jam sessions as well, because that gives everyone a chance to be creative in that way. I know you mentioned to me that this was a conscious decision that Loom has made, right, to bring brand design in-house rather than using contractors, which I believe is what maybe it was happening previously. Can you talk a little bit about that, about why you made that decision and what benefits you've seen from approaching it this way?
1: I think like, I know, you know, I came on to Loom relatively early when they were around 40 people or so, and there was already a brand designer there. Uh, Mm -hmm. We quickly kind of spun up um, a team of like three or four people. So that's like a pretty heavy investment in an internal brand team. You know, relatively early. I think the thinking was really like for Loom, we're in a little bit of a unique position to a lot of companies, in so much as we're kind of creating a category as as we go. It's not that we're showing up and we're saying, okay, we're like company X, but something different. Like we're, you know,
0: Uber for whatever. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're not really doing that. It's it's really a case of like trying to uh, explain to people that this is potentially a new way of working. You know, like this is something different. This is video messaging for work and that's something slightly different. And so I think like investing in that brand team early really allows us to go deep into figuring out like how we tell that story how we connect that back to the product that we're building in a really tight and cohesive and structured and collaborative way. We could definitely use agencies to to do that work, but we really wanted to have like a small team to begin with someone who's, who's really like understands the space understands where we want to go can, can really kind of like uh, go deep into the product strategy that we have. Um and then start to bring that to life over time as the company evolves and, and grows. Um and we still collaborate with agencies, we still collaborate with contractors and freelancers, you know, whenever we need a certain level of expertise. Um, but it's really helpful to have a group of folks who are really deeply embedded and, yeah. and, and rooted in, you know, not just the product or the industry space, but also also the culture that we have, you know, like yeah we want to try and express that too.
0: Yeah, totally. And there's just so much value in having that expertise in-house, right? And in having people who understand deeply the product that they're marketing and like the brand that they're building it for, and they can apply all those insights into their work perhaps easier than an external designer would be able to. I yeah.
1: think so. Makes a lot of sense. I think that's, that's the hope anyway.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about the types of projects that you and the brand team work on. What would you say are your areas of focus?
1: It depends and it, and it varies, obviously I'd say probably like three quarters of the work that we do is marketing type work. So you know, like this will not come really as a surprise to anybody, which is. Loom.com, the website, making sure Mm -hmm. that's expressing what we want it to express It's performant, you know, it's working for us, the content and the copywriting that comes with that, the animation work, the visual design, obviously. And then there's the growth market inside. So we're running campaigns, you know, we're, we just, we have a brand campaign out in the world right now. So there was nice. creative direction collaborating with an agency to bring that to life. Then there's like the more tactical sides um, of that. We're just doing, you know, we're doing ads, we're doing Google ads, we're doing Facebook ads. We have growth campaigns that we work on internally to do that. Sometimes we collaborate with an agency too. So that's that's kind of it on the marketing side. There's the content as well. We we have a blog. Uh, we do ebooks. You know that that type of stuff. So there's, there's, there's some work there. And then the rest of it is, is kind of split between like tool creation for the rest of the company. Like, you know, we work on deck templates for sales. We work on sometimes bespoke uh, projects for potential high value customers. And then there's like the cultural side too. So we're doing a career site for people ops. We're organizing a company offsite. So there's kind of like a. A visual design system around that uh we do uh conferences so we design conference booths and various types of kind of swag and the stuff that comes with that i think that probably covers about 98 percent of what we do the other two yep. percent just being the random the random things that pop up now now yep. and again but yeah it's kind of like marketing uh slash you know culture and then obviously you know part of that comes uh with collaborating on on product and making sure that we have brand infused into product and and, mm. vi- and vice versa but that's kind of like that's that's less of like a what we work on and and more just like that's always on and and, and what yeah. we do and and we kind of do that by having regular regular meetings through the week it's not necessarily like okay we have this project now're we're, we're just always trying to trying to keep that on
0: right like it's a responsibility for yeah. your team rather than a project it's yeah. just like yeah. it's always you're always responsible for it whenever you're giving a critique to product you're giving suggestions or like making sure that the brand visuals and voices expressed uh, through that too and yeah.
1: uncovering opportunities where the, the two yeah. can can mesh better you know like a, yeah. and that's not always visual design, sometimes that's just like a tweak to copy writing in the product, you know, like something that we've been, you know, tooling with on the, on the marketing side, maybe we want to bring in some of that tone of voice to the product too. So, you know, it's, we try and keep it to like a million little things, you know, that all kind of like add up to, to hopefully something bigger rather than, okay, we have a project now and we want to bring brand Mm. into product, you know, like we, we try and keep it uh, a little bit more natural and and, uh, organic.
0: Yeah. And I feel like maybe that's the way to actually make it happen as well, you know, because if it was a big project where, I don't know, it's going to take a while, you got to spend the time planning it. It'd be easy to deprioritize it in comparison to other things, perhaps that marketing needs. But when it's just like you said, a million little things, you can fit them in easier and just slowly over time you get more and more of the brand in the product.
1: I mean I've I've certainly had trouble before at previous companies with brand and product collaboration just because the timelines are different, everybody's workloads mm. different, the priorities are different, and, you know, whenever we find an opportunity to do something in product, maybe they're focused on something else and yeah. It becomes this kind of game of tennis where you're just throwing something back and forward over over the net and and never really landing on on anything that, that feels great. So we wanted to to try and avoid that and for us the way to do that is to just remove the idea of it being a project you know mm. like it's it's more just something that we try and bake into the DNA of our of our design culture. Which is just like you know one of our company values is is lead with transparency, and so oh, I love that. So all of our Slack channels are completely open. All of the work in progress just gets posted. Anybody can follow along that that wants to see nice. that. Uh, we have crit twice a week where we come together, and so hopefully there we just have this kind of like background noise of sharing and work somewhat ambiently, you know where folks are able to to pick up on things and and spin up conversations on on where we can potentially collaborate and that's hopefully something that's, that's that's happening continuously over time rather than okay this this quarter we're gonna work on x you know
0: and i bet that's something that you and your like you said your um your colleague the who leads the product design that's something you've led the way on and have focused really heavily on the culture side of things, because that's really where it all starts, uh, is, is there a culture of collaborating and sharing work or not? Um, that's super important
1: we try and be as transparent as we as we possibly can um we have a an async crit channel where folks can just post work in progress just drop drop a loom in there um of course anybody can wa- <laughs> yeah anybody can watch that you know give feedback on it and so those are the opportunities that we try and lean into that the product honestly allows us to do which is to to really kind of like broadcast an update as as widely as it needs to be without any additional kind of effort on uh the designers side so we try and lean into that as much as as much as we can and yeah it's just about being as being as transparent as as possible i think
0: i think it it really helps as a designer, when you can use the product that you're designing for as well, whether that's product design or brand design. Like I know me as a creator, I use ConvertKit for my own email marketing. Mm -hmm. And that gives me so much more context over our brand and marketing stuff as well. So I love that you have a culture of using Loom at Loom. That makes total sense to me. Absolutely.
1: I mean, it's, (laughs) you know, we use it all day long. It's really helpful for not just being able to do the work when you want to do it and hopefully avoid, you know, the hassle of getting everybody in the same room all the time. But it's also a way to just like give quick updates, you know, like a lot of times I'll just pop into like a different project channel and and just think, okay, I have like, I wonder where, where this is at and I can go through the Slack channel and I can see loom videos from however far back you you want to go and so you can jump in and you can educate yourself as to like where where you're at i don't have to go bother anybody nobody has to dig out a dock for me or jump on a call you know i can just like i can get myself up to speed um pretty pretty quickly and then sometimes that then spurs ideas for oh they're yeah. they're doing this you know like maybe we should think about doing this other thing you know
0: and the public channels are important there too because it means that like you said you don't have to bother anyone for a doc no one also has to send you a link to the loom like it's right there in the channel for you to it's
1: right there it's embedded i can see with the title what it's at. i can also see how people have commented to it i can see the the conversation that that's spun up and so it's this kind of like interesting system of of record that even if i'm not attached to that project i can i can kind of bring myself up to speed on it like as and when Uh, I might want to.
0: Nice. While we're talking about tools, what other tools are part of your brand design process at Loom?
1: The normal stuff, Figma mostly, Notion is our kind of like doc thing Mm -hmm. of choice, I guess. (laughs) What else? Other than that, it's really just like Slack and Loom. That's pretty much it. We don't use email at all. That's not a thing for us, which is kind of nice. Zoom obviously when we have to get on uh, a call
0: a real time, which
1: yep. certainly has plenty of value, but we want to try and be as, um, judicious as to like when, when we choose to go synchronous over, over asynchronous. I think that's it. We keep it pretty, nice. pretty tight. We have, a. I think we use a. I I say, I think I should know. Like we use Asana <laughs> for project management
0: both notion and figma are also featured in this season of inside marketing design so anyone listening if you want to know about the brand design behind those tools we can go check out. yeah
1: those. i love them both <laughs> you know we just had uh someone build a loom plugin for figma that allows you to nice. or fig jam so you can embed loom videos in your fig jam or board whatever it's, big jam yeah. Yeah, whatever it's called yeah whatever it's so you that's c- awesome. you can do that now you know you can uh asana also you can embed the looms straight in there it's kind of nice to see the integration start to happen across different tools and different companies that we that we work with too so yeah i love i love figma and and notion equally
0: and when all the tools talk to together that's really nice yeah. you mentioned um that part of the like something you focus on as as the brand design team is the website and making sure it's performing. Can you tell me a little more about that? What sort of metrics do you pay attention to on the website? Are you held accountable to certain metrics mm-hmm. for the website? I'm super curious about this.
1: You know, it's been such an interesting journey over the last... I mean, I've been at Loom almost two, two years, and when we last designed the website was about a year ago when we did our rebrand. And at that point, it was... You know what? We're just going to design this thing. We're just going to launch it. What we have is so kind of bare bones. There's nothing that we can do to mess it up. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it was fake. Like, there's there's no way that we're going to design something that performs worse (laughs) than what's there. Not that it was doing badly. It just hadn't been fully can like, it wasn't being measured, you know, we didn't really know right. kind of like where we were at. And so really then that was about setting a foundation for ourselves. Like fast forward 12 months, we're giving our website, another fresh coat of paint right now. And it's completely right. different. Like we have a marketing team now, you know, like we have folks that are managing the traffic to the website, you know, we're, we're testing stuff, you know. We're doing AA tests and AB tests and ABC tests and whatever. <laughs> All the colors of the alphabet. We're really focused on um, making sure that what we do is performant. And to to answer your question, yeah, like we we have OKRs that we set at a company level. For example, we shipped a brand campaign. There's a web component to that. And we're measuring like I'm signed up for X number of signups, you know, so that's That's a very specific metric that we want to drive from the work that we're doing and the same will be true for when we launch our new website, we'll be looking for uh, X percent lift in traffic or visitors or signups or, you know, signups to trial or whatever those metrics might be. Like we will absolutely be um, taking a position as to like what we think we want to aim for and then we will measure ourselves against that. Yeah
0: yeah, I love that. Web design and like looking at the metrics and making improvements is one of my favorite parts of my job, for sure. I love running an A-B test and seeing the results and sometimes they surprise you, you know, and you're like, wow, didn't expect that one to win.
1: 100%, (laughs) didn't expect, yeah, I mean, love a good test. Like we really want to try and be as involved in that work as we can because I experienced this at CNN when I was there. We had a whole team that was dedicated to testing a green button over a red button over a blue button, a big green button, a small blue button, all across the website. And we would get pages and pages and pages of reports on what's performing 0.01% better. You know yourself, like you take all of the winners and you put them together. you You have a disaster of a website. You have something that just doesn't make any sense. And so... I do enjoy the process of of kind of getting those inputs and then running it through the filter of like, okay, what does this actually mean and how do we want to interpret this? And that's that for me is like a really interesting part of the process.
0: And that's a super important part of the process as well, yeah. because as designers, we still need to use our design intuition and our design training, design thinking yeah. to make decisions based on the data. We can't just follow it blindly. Cause then like you said, we end up with a disaster.
1: And I think it's good also to go the other way too, Charlie. Like, you know, it's, we don't just have designers who are just coming up with shit out of their head and kind of, you know, this is what I want to do. Like we want to make sure that, that what we're doing, that there's a reason behind it, that there's a rationale to it and that we're able to measure how effective it is and then kind of make different decisions should we need to later and, and I I mean, ultimately like a brand, especially for like a fast moving software company is, is never still, you know, it's always in motion. It's always changing. We're always making adjustments. And at some point you'll make larger adjustments than, than others. Um, but it's never static, you know, it's always changing. It's always moving. It's always, you know, it, it has a life of its own, uh, in, in, in some ways. And so, you know, making sure that we are cognizant of that as the industry changes, as the product changes, um, I think is really important.
0: Yeah. We can use data and tests to like check our own assumptions, you know, check ourselves and be like, we really think this is a good idea, but when we test it, It doesn't do what we expected it to and so that's a learning we can take you know and apply to future designs
1: also the industry landscape changes the product changes like we're we find ourselves in a situation now where 12 months on from our last website design The product has evolved so much, you know, Mm. we've launched so many new features. We've evolved the visual design. We're offering so many different, more like options for expression and customization that is just not reflected in the website right now, you know? And so, you know, the reality is, is that we need to keep pace with, uh, the speed with which the product team is, is shipping new stuff and that's pretty fast.
0: Yeah. This is why we still have jobs, right? Because everything is always changing and there's always something you to do. Absolutely
1: <laughs> right. And thank God it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't just design a website once and be like, I'm done mm-hmm. with
1: it. <laughs> exactly right.
0: Uh, speaking of, of the website, do, you, do the designers code that? Does someone on the engineering team code that? How is it built?
1: We have um, marketing engineers that we partner with, you know, front, end, front nice. end specialists and that's, and that's really good for us. We're like in daily collaboration with them as we kind of build out a design system. We build out, you know, page templates, we work on CMS, whatever it is. Um, we, we have those folks that we partner with. We're fortunate that we have designers that are pretty comfortable in code. Um, nice. And so sometimes that's prototyping things, whether that's how type, a type system works responsibly. We will sometimes prototype that stuff ourselves. Uh, I say ourselves; it's not me, I can't code, uh, <laughs> but we have people who are able to do that. So they do. And, and that kind of works pretty well. And they're also just able to, you know, speak the language of code with our
0: yeah, engineering
1: cool. team, uh, which is, which is really helpful. Because, you know, it's not just how the thing works, it's how it performs, you know, like we, we want to do a lot of nice animations on the page, there's obviously like a cost in terms of like page load and all that, just all of yep. those types of conversations we're, we're just having all the time, uh, but we're, we're pretty fortunate to have uh, a couple of really, really good front end uh, engineers
0: nice that's that's great i want to talk through the loom brand because i know that you went through a big rebrand last year right i'd love to talk through the process of that but let's maybe start with you describing the loom brand how would you describe it and then how does that get expressed visually
1: the loom brand is hopefully optimistic it speaks to a new way of working um one that allows uh you to have a little bit more freedom a little bit more control over uh, the work that you do when you do it how you communicate it's something that can really hopefully save you a lot of time and just allow you to be um more efficient in the work that you do um because you know the bulk of the work that we do is communication you know we want to be optimistic about that future you know and so i think like that's the general tone that we that we try and strike you know the the promise that we make with the brand is is to to bring your work to life and that's not just in terms of uh you the creator speaking to your work in your own voice, your own expressions, your own mannerisms, bringing your work to life is, is also about fitting work around your life and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so we, we kind of try and express uh, both of those, those sides of it. So yeah, hopefully it's optimistic. It's a nod to how we can do things in in a better, more collaborative, more efficient way, I guess.
0: And there is a lot. I like I like that you said bring your work to life because I feel like there's a lot of life to the Loom brand as well.
1: I mean, we went through that rebrand process, one part of which was redesigning our logo. Uh, we did all of that. Internally, and and wow. even when you look at that, like we call that the loom beam, you know, hopefully that's somewhat optimistic. It has the circular shape in the middle, and these bars or um, blocks literally radiating from the center. Even that is just hopefully like a small way to allude to the fact that you, as the cam bubble on your screen, is the creator, the person who brings uh, the creative vision to life, the, the kinetic energy to to your work, and really kind of brings uh the work that you're doing to life on the screen uh, for other people
0: i love that i love that like meaning behind the logo let's let's talk more about this rebrand because I love hearing that you did it internally. ConvertKit, when we rebranded um, a couple of years ago, we used an agency because mm-hmm. all of us designers on the team were like, logo design, mm-hmm. not our strength. Let's let's bring in someone mm-hmm. else. How did you decide it was time for a rebrand? How did you know that this was a project that had to be taken on?
1: The company was still pretty early, but it was growing really fast. And we had a website, we had a logo, which didn't really mean that much. We had like a basic color palette. And that was about it. We just didn't really have the tools to express the things that we wanted to express with, Mm -hmm. with the brand. We just found ourselves always kind of like looking for other devices, whether that's visual devices, whether that's copy or voice and tone or positioning statements. We just didn't really have them. And so, you know, it kind of became clear that not only did we need those tools at our disposal, it was also clear that this type of product, this this landscape in terms of asynchronous communication was, was going to be a thing, you know? And so we had to start figuring out a way uh, to tell that story and to explain to people like what that is, what role we play in that, how it can help them. And we didn't have those. We didn't have those tools uh, at our disposal. So that that was really kind of like the main driver for for wanting to to spin those things up and to to, to really get a sharp point on them and and give us some things that we can then go take uh, to the market and to start to tell stories about about loom and asynchronous communication in general.
0: And how long did this process take from the moment of you sort of deciding? Okay, we need to do this. We need a rebrand to, I guess, something shipping.
1: I want to say it was about eight months. We started it in February last year. We shipped it in October and, and by say shipping it, I mean, we had basically a brand book, you know, we had all of the foundational Mm -hmm. elements there. We hadn't built anything with it yet. We very consciously decided to uh, detach anything that we build with the brand to actually doing the work of defining what the brand is. So as soon as we shipped the rebrand, we started working with it. We started designing a website, for example, you know, we started designing new slide decks, whatever those things are, Uh, we didn't want to be constrained by, um, whatever the canvas was for any specific project. So if we were doing a rebrand within the context of a website design, that would potentially push us in a specific direction. And, and we wanted to, to try and avoid that. So we separated those, those things out. So from the very first meetings, which were kind of talking to the founders, talking to the sales team and the support team about loom and how people react to it and how we interact with it to having what we would call like a brand book that we were then able to start building with it was probably about eight, eight months.
0: Maybe it's because I'm not a branding expert, but my general approach to like forming a visual brand around something has been to, well, let's just like see how it would work on the website and what other things I would need. And like, I do take that approach. So tell me how the design process went for, for designing the Loom brand then, since that wasn't the approach you took.
1: So there was, it was a few different phases. First phase was like a discovery phase, which was like I say, talking to people, kind of like understanding the experience that customers have with with Loom, a super interesting data point on that early on was uh, the experience that the sales team have when they're demoing Loom to a prospect, and that is they take you through uh, the experience and then they realize that when you click stop recording, the link is already generated instantly and it's been working in the background. And that's kind of like a magic like aha moment. Because normally when you do that with video, you have to sit back and wait for 10 minutes for it to, for it to render.
0: Yep. And come back later and then you forget so you about it. you don't do it. that.
1: And that's like this aha kind of like magic moment. So that was like a really interesting early uh, insight that we got around uh, the potential power, the speed of the product, how efficient it is. There's a discovery phase there. Then there's like a synthesis, like strategy phase where... We start to kind of like bring some of those concepts and those insights to life. That was through our brand promise work. When we landed on bring your work to life, that was kind of like the first kind of like creative statement, um, groundwork, whatever you want to call it that we had in place. And then that was then what started to inform the visual design system that, that that then flowed from that. And the visual design system then became, how do we want to represent Loom? What's the visual representation of a Loom, of the process that you go through as you're using it, um, as you're sharing it, as you're as a viewer, as a creator. And so there are various like conceptual pieces to it. And so I think that's where we really started. To focus for a long time was like the conceptual space. Like, how do we do this in shapes and colors and motion and type? And then the idea being that once you have those things, you can then start to construct them, you can put them together in different ways. One of those ways might mm-hmm. be on a website. One of those ways might be in a slide deck. You know, one of those ways might be in motion or animation design. As we went through, we started uncovering those devices. And then at a certain point in time, we felt like we had enough understanding of those to be like, okay, now we're going to design a logo. You know, that was that was kind mm. of like a specific output, uh, which had its own process and, and its own kind of energy and, and momentum. But it was all driven from the discovery and the strategy and kind of like the uh, the creative concept and idea that we'd done previously. Actually, I started to count how many logo options we'd done, and I stopped at around twenty five hundred.
0: Oh, I was going to be like, "Wow, 25 And then you twenty five hundred,
1: and I'd stopped because I was nowhere near close. Wow, there was just like a lot of potential directions uh, going wide, going deep narrowing and going wide again. I don't know. It was an interesting and fun, fun process.
0: Yeah. Tell me more about how you and the team work together on this. Like you're, you're talking about like coming up with like the brand statement and the, you know, the brand elements and like figuring out like, could this be applied to a website, to a slide deck, whatever. How are you working together on this?
1: We did a lot of what we would call creative jam sessions, which was, we would mm-hmm. get the team together for a whole day. Sometimes two days and you can't spend all of that time on zoom, nor would you want to. We would set some prompts. So we would, we would break it into like really small pieces, you know, take color. For example, it'd be like, okay, for the next day, we're going to focus on color palettes and how we use them and how we combine colors and what we want to say with them. We would give the team prompts, um, that we would discuss for an hour, maybe a little bit more. We would just have like an open conversation about it. What ideas does this spur in? How do we think? And then we would just go off individually and and work on those things. Uh, We would come up with some solutions, some options, some directions. Sometimes it was maybe just a mood board. Uh, Sometimes it was starting to put things together and play with them and see how they felt. Then we would come back together at the end of the day, synthesize those, decide what we liked and what we... thought we wanted to take to the next stage. Um, and then the next day we would come up with a different prompt, you know, and we would just kind of over time, kind of start to uncover solutions. We would gradually kind of start to narrow in on what was feeling good. And when we had that, we would then do more prompts based on that. And so it was just kind of this like gradual process of coming together, discussing things, you know, nothing's off the table going off and working on it individually, coming back, talking about it, and then deciding how we want to edit those, those inputs and, and what we want to take to the next stage.
0: So it really was a team collaborative yeah. experience rather than like a divide and conquer where it's like, okay, you're going to figure out colors, you're going to figure out type, talk to each other exactly. as you go. Like everyone was working Everybody on was working on
1: everything. And I think what the cool thing about that is, is like, everybody has slightly different skill sets comfort levels with mm-hmm. tools, like our strategist, for example, is not a designer. He wouldn't mind me saying that. So he would typically come with words and, and images that he'd found mm. elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, our producer would, would, would come with like references to, to movies or TV shows or whatever it may cool. be. And so we would bring all of these things together and combine them with some of the type work or the color work or the illustration work that, that the designers had done, and it would start to paint this kind of like interest in tapestry and, you know, a lot of times we would get to a solution that we felt really good about, it didn't necessarily have a form to it yet. It might just be words. It might just be maybe shapes, maybe not, but maybe references to, to cultural moments or memes you know like there was a lot of just like bringing in a whole different bunch of references to to try and uh illustrate what we were trying to say and so i think it was cool uh to have everybody just just express themselves in the way that they felt most comfortable and that's not always just like designing
0: something Yep. Yep. Doesn't always happen with pixels on a page either. I love that because I had totally assumed that the people who were actively working on this was you and the designers. So I love that the whole brand design team was involved in it and that everyone's opinions and thoughts were Absolutely. taken Absolutely. And you know,
1: at a certain point we were like, okay, we need a type system. And how does that work responsively across a grid? And how does that work in product? Okay, let's bring in the yeah. product designers. At a certain point, we start to focus in on like what our...
0: Yeah, in the, in the details.
1: details and what our areas of expertise are. Um, but that's like more of like a, it's almost more like a tactical thing. We all kind of knew what we were doing then. It was really just a case of going and, and executing that and, and bring it to life. The, we'd already done the hard work of trying to figure out what this thing is that, that we want to do.
0: Is that a general approach that you tend to take to a lot of projects at Loom? Is being more collaborative or like, say, for example, there's a new landing page is needed for the marketing site. Will that be assigned to one designer and they'll work with marketing on it? Or is it more the, the team?
1: I mean, we will have a lead designer on it, but we do mm-hmm. try as much as we can to you know, collaborate on these things. It it depends what it is. Like if it's, if it's a bigger project, if it's something which ultimately it's like part of like a system that other designers are going to want to use. Like we, we do try and bring people together at certain points to collaborate on, on those things. Sometimes it's just a tactical thing that, that needs done that's building on a system that we already have in which case somebody can just go work on that and then share and share their work yeah. as they as they go so it depends it's, it's it's a little bit of both we have a stand-up meeting every morning where we're generally just sharing what we've done the day before what we're going to do today and and then through that process we'll sometimes be like you know what we could do with maybe getting the team together for a few hours or a day on this thing. Maybe it just needs to move forward faster. Maybe it has implications Mm. for work that somebody else is doing. We try and involve everybody as much as we can in those moments.
0: What I want everyone to remember as well as they're hearing you describe this collaboration process is that all of this is happening remotely it's all
1: well. happening remotely it's not that we try and limit our zoom time necessarily it's more just like we we want to try and give designers time to focus and get into a flow state the worst thing that can happen is that you have 30 minute meeting 30 minute free time 30 minute meeting And have that all, all through the day. So we, so we try and have our catch up first thing in the morning. Then we go off and just like get our heads down for a while. And if we feel like we need to come back and like work on stuff together, we can maybe do that a little bit later in in the day, or we can just like schedule that for a time where, okay, you know what, this is going to be synchronous time, you know, and we're going to have like three or four hours together. We're going to work on this. We're going to come out with some kind of solution and then we're going to go off and you know do it do our thing so yep. yeah it's all happening remotely and and really the remote piece is really us making sure that when we do come together synchronously we're, we're as if we're using that time as efficiently as possible you know a lot of times we'll we'll send out a loom beforehand which is the prompt for the meeting or here's like the like the pre-watch if it's a design review we'll record a loom here's the work you know and when we get together it's about dissecting the work and getting the feedback that we want. We don't, we're not like presenting that in in real time. Hopefully everybody's had a chance to look at it, think about it and then come to the meeting with their perspectives. And that hopefully keeps everything a little bit more efficient.
0: Yeah. So it's like this mix of asynchronous and synchronous that is leading to this cool collaboration you've got going on. Well, we've talked about a lot of the things that are like working well at Loom, Mm -hmm. obviously. What are some of the main obstacles that your team are facing Mm -hmm. at the moment or like things you're working through? Or maybe it's just like an area of growth for you where, you know, it's, um, a place that you want yourself or the team to. Improve. I
1: think the thing that's always hard is just, you know, the speed at which this is the same at all kinds of companies, the speed at which we grow, the speed at which we're shipping new product, new features. We're doing that fast. You know, we're shipping new stuff every, every yeah. month. The timeline with doing that is slightly different to how the system evolves over time. Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where, I mean, take this as an example. We've started doing uh, some tools for video creators, which is virtual backgrounds, what we would call canvas templates, which is, you know, not everybody wants to be full screen if they don't have anything that they're actually showing on their desktop. So we'll Mm -hmm. give them some, some templates to use as like a background, we're doing a lot of that. People really love them. We haven't done as much work as we probably want to on our illustration principles and like how we actually bring illustration to life within the context of the Loom brand. And so we find ourselves kind of having to think about, okay, how are we going to approach this current project and then what do we need? to scale this over time. Like this is the principle that we don't have right now and that we probably need to figure out because we're going to do more of this stuff. So sometimes the speed at which product ships can, can overtake the principles that we have on the brand side, and then we need to take a step back and think about how, how we might want to approach that and and catch back up to, to, to where they are. So sometimes you know um the shipping cadence and 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 product can be slightly out of step with like how we think about evolving the brand over time that's just generally like how how quickly the company the teams the industry landscape moves is, is is definitely a little bit of a challenge
0: yeah totally and then to end on a super positive note what is something that you are most proud of
1: honestly just how much fun we have together You know, I think like the work is cool, but really the thing that gets me up in the morning is the people that I get to work with, the fun that we have. We don't, we don't take stuff too seriously. You know, it's only software. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) um, we're not curing cancer here. We're designing websites. And so we want to try and keep that in perspective and, and, and while, of course, we want to I'll put this disclaimer in for if the CEO is listening, of course, we want to build a large company. We want to build yes. value for our customers and ourselves. Um, we definitely want to do that, but we also want to have fun doing it, you know? And yeah. uh, if you can enjoy the process with the people that you get to do it with, I'm not sure what the point is. And so I think like. The thing that I'm most proud of is is how much like humbleness and lack of ego that we have not just on the team it, on on the team at Loom generally I think people who are genuinely curious interested in each other willing to 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 help out to collaborate to try new things to fail, to try again you know and just kind of like have a bit of a laugh doing it you know like I think that's that's really important
0: I think that that shows that's, I mean, related to several things you've said throughout this episode of the bringing the life, right, to your work. That's one way that you bring life to work is like just being real and having fun, having a good time.
1: That's 100% right. I will never re-record a loom. I will always, like, if I mess something up, if the dog's barking in the background, if the doorbell rings, I will leave that stuff in. That That is gold, you know, like... (laughs) <laughs> that's the stuff that I really love um, and I love like even asynchronously being able to get those little kind of insights into into what's going on in everybody else's life and so that's kind of what we strive yeah. for that 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 transparency that honesty and that kind of openness that's what makes it fun to show up to work every day
0: yeah agreed well thanks so much for everything that you've shared about um design and look charlie I am still reeling from the idea of creating 2,500 logo options and I'm super grateful to Stuart for sharing so many insights into that redesign process and everything else the brand design team at Loom works on. You will find links to follow Stuart on Twitter and also to check out Loom in the description. Um, And if you want more episodes of this show, they're all on InsideMarketingDesign.co. We are over halfway through season two now. So if you've been enjoying the episode so far, I would really appreciate if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts to recommend it to other designers. Thanks again to Webflow for sponsoring the season. Thanks to you for listening and I will see you next time.